listening to the Stories of an Unschooling Family podcast. Hi, I'm Sue Alvis, and this is episode 55. In this episode, I want to talk about our children, how amazing they are. Yes, all children are amazing. I also want to talk a little bit about praise. Should we tell our children that they are amazing? And should we share our children's achievements with other people? Or is that discouraging? Would it be like we're proud parents and we're showing off? I'd also like to talk about two words which don't normally go with unschooling, and that's planning and organization. And it's nothing to do with homeschool record keeping. No, I won't be talking about that today. Also, as usual, there'll be a few more things along the way that I'm sure will come into my conversation. So I hope this is going to be an interesting episode as it's my final one for this year. I hope that you will stick around and listen. I've been thinking about children's achievements this week because my daughter Imogen, who is 21, she sang at a Christmas concert last Sunday evening. I was going to go along to that concert and watch her perform. She sings with a couple of choirs. She has singing lessons. Uh, she does a lot with her music. And I hear her singing all the time. She's always practicing at home. And she also sings as a cantor at church. But I really see her performing you know, when she gets all dressed up and goes out to a concert and performs. And I especially don't have much opportunity to see her singing solo. So I was looking forward to seeing Imogen perform last Sunday evening. And I would have, except for the fact that one of my other daughters, Charlotte, was unwell that day. And I volunteered to stay home and look after Charlotte. I didn't really mind staying home, especially as one of my other daughters, Sophie, the one that is interested in photography, she said she would go in my place take her camera along and record the concert for me so that I could see it later. And that's what happened. Sophie came back with some recordings that she has been turning into little videos. Now I posted one of those videos on my Facebook page on Monday and later I made it into a blog post and I shared that with my blog readers. And so many people came along and listened and left words of encouragement for Imogen. Words of praise, I guess. And I've been thinking, is it okay to do that? When our children achieve something like that, a good concert performance, can we share that with other people? Or does it look like we're really proud mothers and we're showing off? Hey, look at my children, how talented they are. I guess it depends on what our reasons are for sharing. I like to share the achievements of my children in my podcasts and blog posts so that I can encourage other parents to allow their children to follow their own interests, to see where it will lead. I'm not necessarily wanting people to come around and say, hey, you've got a very talented daughter. I certainly don't want to look like an obnoxious, proud mother. When it comes down to it, even though I do have a talented daughter, I think that all children have their talents. All children are amazing. 
The talents are obviously very different. Maybe your children sing, maybe they don't. They could have other talents. Some children will have very visual talents, like Imogen. Other children will have very quiet talents. But one thing I'm really sure about is that all children do have talents. And all children are very important. They all have a very important role to play in this world. They need to develop their talents and just see where it goes. So when people watch my video of Imogen singing, what I hope they feel is that unschooling allows children to develop their talents and that children can do amazing things. Now Imogen's talent has nothing to do with me whatsoever. I'm not musical at all. It seems amazing to me that my children have a musical ability. Well, they all do except for one, but I'll talk about him in a minute. He's very much like me in the musical department. Yes, when I listen to my children singing, and especially when I watch them working together on some piece of music, to me it seems almost magical because I can't produce that sound. It's a bit like watching my sister Vicky, who's an artist. I watch her draw or I see her drawings later and I wonder how does she do it because I certainly can't do it. It feels magical. So I'm in awe of any talent that other people have that I don't have. I wonder if I've told you my musical story. I wonder if I told it in a previous podcast or maybe a blog post. Well, I'll tell it again anyway, and I'll, hopefully I'll tell it very quickly. This is my musical story. When I was in high school, every year our class put on a Gilbert and Sullivan production. And one year we put on HMS Pinafore. I was really excited. All my friends were. We were going to sing in a production and our parents were going to come along and watch. I just couldn't wait. I loved the rehearsals until one day the singing teacher walked up and down the aisles of girls that were practicing and she obviously was listening very, very carefully. She passed me, went down the aisle and then came back again, stood next to me, listening for a few moments. And then she called me aside and she said, if you would like to be in this production, you can, but you're going to have to mime. You can't sing. Part of me was devastated. Another part of me was really relieved that I could still be in the production. If it meant that I had to mime, I would do it. I think that's really sad looking back. I was crushed, really. From that moment on, I labeled myself as unmusical, unable to sing. And I really expected my children to be just like me. So sometimes when I'm listening to my children sing, part of me wonders, are they really talented? I don't trust my own judgment. How could they be talented with me as their mother? But Imogen has the exam results to prove that she is talented and she does get a lot of comments from other people who I assume are not just being kind. I guess my children have got their musical talents from my husband. Because he's musical, he belongs to the choir. It has nothing to do with me whatsoever. So their musical talent doesn't belong to me. It's theirs. And when I praise them for their abilities, 
I'm not praising them because it's a reflection of me. It's something of their very own. Do I praise my children? I do. I think it is encouraging. I say such things to Imogen as, You sang well today. Or, You must have given a lot of pleasure to those people in the audience. To encourage her to share her talents. She has a responsibility, she has a talent, and she has to use it. And not just for herself, to get glory for herself and praise, but she has to use it so that she brings pleasure to other people, so that she enhances all the music at church, say, that she increases the experience for other people who don't have her talents. Yes, it's a responsibility, but as I said, feedback is encouraging. I once wrote a blog post called Why I Am My Children's Number One Fan. Have you ever been in the situation where somebody comes along and says such things as What beautiful children you have. How well behaved they are. Or how thoughtful or something along those lines. Sometimes people do come up to me and say Imogen sang beautifully. And what's my reaction? In the past when my children were little Sometimes I used to brush off the compliments, and I used to say such things as, Oh, they might be good today, but you should have seen them yesterday. They're not always this good. And then I began to wonder, how does that make our children feel? Their own mother won't stand up for them. She brushes the compliment away, and she actually gives a negative view of them to somebody outside the family. And I think it's very difficult. We do feel embarrassed by compliments and we don't know what to say. But I don't think that should be our reaction when someone tries to say something nice about our children. I've noticed that when people praise children, especially little children, they smile. They're encouraged. They might even think of being good a little while longer. But when a mother swipes that compliment away, the smiles disappear. Sometimes I wonder if compliments and praise are encouraging or whether the opposite is true. If we criticize our children, won't that make them want to work harder? I think it might for a short time, but eventually I think that they will give up. They're never going to be good enough, so why try? So I do compliment my children, but I make sure the compliments are true. I say such things as, you're so generous helping your sister. How thoughtful of you to make me a cup of tea. You're always thinking about me. And as I said, you must have given a lot of pleasure to the audience tonight. Perhaps we should teach our children how to accept compliments by giving them a good example. It's not hard to say thank you. I guess if we do deny compliments, we're also saying to the person, you're wrong, your judgment is wrong, and they're trying to spread a little bit of joy, and we are rejecting that, so that can't really be good either. Now I said that all children have amazing talents, but some children don't have the same talents as my daughter Imogen. Maybe they have quiet talents, less showy ones, ones that mothers can't put on blogs and say, hey, look at my daughter, how well she is doing. So I'm going to tell you about the talents of somebody in our family who has no showy talents whatsoever. And this is my son, Duncan. He can't sing. 
Did I say that already in this podcast? He's a reflection of me entirely. Takes after me in the singing department. Now, Duncan is a very hard worker. He did a Bachelor of Arts degree, went back to uni and did his Masters of Teaching, and pushed through a lot of obstacles in his pathway. But since he graduated, he hasn't yet been able to get a teaching position. Yes, sometimes things don't happen quite as we would like. But Duncan doesn't complain. He keeps believing he'll get where he wants to go. And in the meantime, he's been working at a number of what I would say are boring jobs. Just casual jobs to get him some money. And he does it without complaining. And he puts his heart and soul into every job he does. He might not be standing on a stage singing. He might just be sweeping floors or whatever. But he does it to the best of his ability. He has a really good work ethic. And he makes the most of situations. Now everybody that comes into contact with Duncan says he is a very, very good worker. They also say he's a lovely person. And they don't say that because he's outgoing and charming like my second son, Callum. No, they just say it because, in his quiet way, he's very polite and caring and gentle. And they're sort of things that people don't notice at first. You have to spend some time with him, get to know him a little, and then you realize that really he is quite amazing. But as I said, it's not really very showy, and a lot of people pass right by him without realizing that. So yes, not all children are going to be labeled amazing in an obvious sort of way, but that doesn't mean to say that they're not fantastic people. I think by sharing our children's achievements, we share the joy, or well, that's what I'm hoping. I think we should take great delight in anybody's achievements, whether the person belongs to our family or not. Share the joy, yes. I mentioned last week that my daughter Imogen has just finished her university degree. She's taking a break over Christmas. So what is she going to do next? Well, I had this idea the other day that I'd make a video of her I'd interview her, ask her about her university experience, and ask her about her plans for the future. Is she going to be following her dreams, or does she want to step into a secure job? Now, if you've been listening to my podcasts, you might know that Imogen has big dreams. She wants to follow her two big passions, which are writing and music. She's a little bit greedy. She wants to do something with both of those passions. So I sat down with Imogen, Sophie got out her camera once again, and she recorded our conversation. I uploaded that video to YouTube, and I wrote a blog post and posted it on my blog. So if you're interested in listening to Imogen speak about university and following dreams, if you're wondering whether you should encourage your kids to follow their dreams as well, you can find that video, as I said on my blog, all my YouTube channel. It's called Life After University Following Dreams. In particular, there was one podcast in which I interviewed Imogen about careers and following dreams. It's called Dreams, Talents, Working and Unworking. I just mentioned that case you're interested.
think it's time to talk about something else. Perhaps we'll get on to those two words, planning and organization. Now, this is my daughter Sophie's story. She's 14, and you might know that she just loves photography. She has a million ideas, Sophie. She is a very enthusiastic person. I told you how she had this idea that she would go next door and ask our neighbor if she could photograph the neighbor's three sons as practice to a photo shoot. This would give her some more experience taking portrait photos or photos of children playing, whatever. But in the long run, she's hoping that such experiences will lead to, to some paid work. She wants to have a career as a photographer. And she wants to start now. She doesn't want to wait years down the track. She thinks that maybe she could earn a little money by photographing people's children and do it at students' rates. So she went next door on Monday and spent a couple of hours with the neighbor chatting and playing with the boys, taking lots of photos. She came back with over 500 photos. And in her spare moments this week, she has been editing them, sorting through them, improving them, making some black and white, inserting them into collages. She's even made a slideshow video of them. She's going to put all her work on a DVD and then take it back to the neighbor as a gift for letting her come over and gain some photography experience. Now the other day Sophie said to me as she was going to bed I went in and said goodnight to the girls. She said do you really think mom that people will pay me to take photos of their children? And I said well why not? Your photos are good. And then she said how much do you think people will pay me? Do you think they'd give me ten dollars for doing it? I said, $10? Wow, all that work just for $10. I'm sure they'll give you a lot more than that. It just amazes me how children, because they are children, think that nobody will value their work and want to pay for it. We looked at some Santa photos online to see what is the going rate for Santa photos. Give us an idea about the value of photography. And we found a site which was advertising them as packages from $45 to about $65. And for your money, you got a five-minute photo shoot, I guess, and you got a few printed photos. That's all you got for your $65. So I think, yes, Sophie could charge people more than $10 for all her work. But as I said, Sophie has been busy with many ideas, not just that one this week. She's been helping me make graphics for my blog post photos so that I can pin them on Pinterest. This has been a source of pocket money for her. I give her a little bit of money for the work that she does because social media is time consuming. Sometimes I don't get a chance to do all I'd like. And Sophie's really good at putting fonts together and photos together and she enjoys going over to Canva and making graphics. So that's one other thing she's been doing. She's also been editing photos of Callum and Casey's wedding, Callum being my second son. He got married in September. She edited all her photos ages ago. Now she's working on mine because, yeah, I just haven't got the interest to do that. She'll do a much better job than me. So I asked her if she would like to do that for me. She's also been making videos, as I said, of Imogen's Christmas concert, the one that she performed in on Sunday night. 
Besides that, she's been making a salt dough nativity this week for a friend. She said she'd make it, and well, she has finished it now. But all these ideas, all these activities, Sophie has been going from one to another, and as another idea comes along or another opportunity arises, she's been working on the latest one, and some of the previous ones have sort of been lingering. She hasn't finished work on them. Something else has caught her attention. And her list of projects is getting longer and longer. Now, the other night, I pointed this out to Sophie. I said, perhaps you ought to get organized. Make a few plans about what you're doing. Finish a few things before moving on to something new. Fulfill a few goals. Now, Sophie got a bit upset with me. Maybe I didn't say it in the right way. Anyway, she went to bed upset with the conversation that we'd had. But the next day, I noticed she got up extra early. I could see her varnishing her nativity salt dough figures while everybody else was running around doing their jobs because she had finished what she was doing and she had a few moments free. She decided to use those few free moments wisely, make the most of them. And then I noticed that she'd already made two graphics for me before we'd even got to that stage where I say, what are we going to do today? Later on, we went for a walk together. And I said to her, I'm really sorry I upset you last night. And Sophie said, oh, that's all right, Mum. She said, I was tired. And anyway, you were right. I have to get organized. Which makes me think that we shouldn't make suggestions to our children when they're tired. We have to pick and choose the right time. When I think about people making suggestions to me, I can see that that's wise. I don't really want to know when I'm tired either. So that was my fault, trying to talk to her about something at the wrong time. But talking about it was a good thing to do. Maybe some people think that unschooling is just drifting through the day. I used to think that myself. And I guess when we have very little children, it does seem that way. They go from one game to another. They just live in the moment. And I think that's quite all right. There's nothing wrong with that at all. But as we all get older and we have things that we're working on, I think a little bit of planning, a little bit of organization does help. And I'm not talking about planning our children's work, giving them things to do, things that they are expected to fulfill, because of course they're learning from life. They're learning from following their own interests. They should have the right to decide what they're doing themselves. Now, in our family, we all have things that we're working on. We're all productive people. And in the morning, when we are about to begin our day, I usually say, well, what's everybody working on today? And we go around and everybody usually has something that they really want to start the day with. Oh, I think that I'll write that blog post. I've got an animation I'm working on. I think I'll write a letter. I think I might go and answer my emails. Everybody tells each other what we're going to start with, but we all have a number of things we could be doing. So we each have to plan our day. We have to make individual decisions about what we want to fill our time with. We're all in control of our own work and our own time. We have freedom to follow our interests. We have freedom to organize our work as we like. But maybe we need to organize that work just a little. I have to admit that I'm not the best organized person myself. I have a long list of things, as I said, that I'm working on. And some of those things have been in progress for an awful long time. 
My children probably see that. I could be a better example. We have to decide when we have a lot of things we're doing, which things are a priority. So I think we can talk to our children about these, these things. Which things do they want to finish first? Which things are important to finish first? Have they made a commitment to somebody and they have to finish it? For example, the photography project that Sophie has been doing for the next door neighbor. Letters that need to be written to certain people who are expecting replies. I've been sharing a few ideas with Sophie, talking about planners, and I have an exercise book that I scribble down all the ideas that I have, and I cross them off when I've completed them. Maybe every day I should make a little list of things I hope to achieve on a particular day. Maybe that would help her as well. I think we're really privileged to have so much free time to do exactly what we want to do. But with that privilege comes a responsibility. Now some days will be quiet days and we all need rest and we all need time to think and certainly we don't want to be in a rigid routine. Life has rhythms, quiet times followed by productive times. But when we want to achieve things, finish things we're working on, Perhaps it's okay to make a few plans, to get organized, to see those projects to the end. Because when we get to the end of the project, it's a really satisfying feeling. We've achieved something, and I'm sure we all want to feel that way, our children included. So I intend to finish off a few things of my own. Over the Christmas break, I've got a few things that I'll be working on. I'm hoping in the next day, or two, maybe even today, to have my Kindle edition of my Angel's novel finished. Imogen's been working on this with me. Yeah, we're hoping to upload the file to Amazon and we're hoping that a Kindle edition of The Angels of Abbey Creek will be available for sale in the next day or two. And that's a project, yes, that's been lingering an awful long time. I'm also hoping to have the print edition and the Kindle version of my second Angels book, The Angels of Gumtree Road, finished early in the new year. Yes, yeah, soon after Christmas, I'm hoping to have that project done. And then I want to do some creative writing over Christmas because I've been putting that off. I've been writing too many blog posts, making podcasts, and not making creative writing a priority. So I'm going to do that as well. Talking of Christmas and the Christmas holidays, Christmas is only two weeks away, as I record this podcast. I've almost finished my Christmas shopping. Everybody in my family, except Duncan and I, are practicing their Christmas music. There's going to be a couple of other concerts before Christmas. The girls are hoping to go basking. Imogen has been working on some pieces, some Christmas music with the girls. And they're going to go to town and they'll probably stand outside the post office like they usually do. The post office is a great place to busk because people going in and out, buying stamps, posting off their parcels, feeling in a Christmassy mood. And there's probably going to be a long queue in the post office. And people maybe will hear the girls singing as they're waiting. And hopefully they'll come out and throw a few coins into their hat. Well, this is how it has happened in previous years. So the girls are really looking forward to that. Of course, they're also going to be singing at Mass. We're going to Midnight Mass as usual. 
But before Midnight Mass, we have、uh, the week before Christmas, and that's the week we're going to put up our Christmas tree. I know a lot of people already have their trees up, but our tradition is that we put it up as close to Christmas Day as possible. Usually, Christmas Eve is too busy. We've got、uh, music practices that day, and of course, we're going out that evening. So maybe the day before that, or even the day before that, is the day that we're going to decorate our tree. And yes, on Christmas Eve, we'll be heading out the door for midnight mass. We absolutely love going out at this time of night every year. It's really special. Stay up later than normal, especially for the younger girls. It doesn't feel like a normal night, and it isn't. We love going out in the dark and in the cool of the night because it might have been a hot day. I don't haven't looked at the weather forecast yet, but it's quite possible that that Christmas Eve will be a warm day. But it'll have cooled down by the time we go out, and it'll be refreshing. It'll be lovely. And when we get to the church, we won't be able to see anything but the light coming through the windows. And I think that it'll feel like the only place on earth. We'll go inside. Mass will be celebrated. We'll sing. We'll come out afterwards, and we'll stand outside for a little while, despite the late hour. And we'll share greetings with other people. We'll smile. We'll be tired, but it'll be worth it. And when we get home, we'll have supper together, or maybe that should be a very early breakfast because it'll be Christmas Day by that time. And then we'll tumble into bed, and hopefully. Nobody will wake up too early on Christmas Day. That's the only thing about going to midnight mass. Will we be very tired on Christmas Day? So tired that we won't enjoy Christmas Day as much as we should. And that used to be a problem when the children were much younger. But these days, Gemma Rose, she's our youngest. She's eleven, and she seems to cope. And she has coped for the last several years. And on Christmas Day, when we finally get up. We've got the house in order. We'll open our presents. Andy will cook a huge dinner. That's my husband. He always does the Christmas cooking. And my son Callum and his wife Casey will come round around midday to join us for more present opening and to share our meal. I think it's going to be a really big celebration. I'm really looking forward to it. I've talked about my running on my podcasts a number of times. And I was thinking about this as I was making some notes for this podcast. This Christmas Day will be the fourth anniversary of our running. It is the day that I decided to become a runner. Yeah, four years ago on Christmas Day, after we'd eaten our huge meal, my husband Andy suggested that we went for a walk. Yeah, go and walk off our Christmas dinner, get outside in the fresh air. And I went off and I got changed and I put my shorts on and my running shoes. And he said, "Well, I thought we were just going for a stroll. Why did you get changed? We don't need to get changed to go for a stroll." And I said, "Well, I think that I'd like to try running. I got this idea in my head. Could I still run? Because I used to be a runner many, many years ago, pre-children. I think I think I ran when I had one or two children, but it had been many years since I'd run. And for some reason, on Christmas Day four years ago, I wanted to go and have a run." My run wasn't very long, but I did run a little way, and that was enough encouragement to come back. Of course, I went through a lot of pain before I actually became a runner. But yes, that was my Christmas Day resolution four years ago. 
We'll have to go out for a walk on Christmas Day, even if we don't run, because of course we have our dog, Nora, and she will need exercising. I don't think that she'll be content to have a lazy Christmas Day. No, she'll want to go for her usual walk. I have one more story to share, and this story is about Nora. Now, Nora is a two-year-old dog. We got her from the animal shelter. We're not exactly sure what breed she is. A bit of a mixture, but she definitely has pointer in her, maybe a bit of cattle dog. Her ears look very much like a Labrador. And for a while, we thought that she was going to turn into a Great Dane. But although she might have Great Dane genes, in the end, they didn't win out. I think the pointer genes have won out. She's very muscular. She is an excellent running dog. She runs with me 6, 7K easy, then she's ready to go again an hour later. The distance we run is nothing to her. She really enjoys running. I took her for a run in the week. I think it was Monday. The girls were tired after the weekend, and I ended up going out on my own with Nora, just the two of us. And we were coming to the end of the run when this big kangaroo bounded out of the bush in front of us. It bounced along the, the pathway in front of us, went round the corner and disappeared. Well, as soon as Nora saw the kangaroo, she was off. She just took off. I'm glad I was holding onto the leash pretty tightly. And she dragged me along as well. We were sprinting. We'd already run nearly 7K. And all of a sudden, we were sprinting towards the kangaroo. Well, the kangaroo had definitely gone. But Nora, she was hopeful. She wanted to catch a kangaroo. I knew if I let go of the leash, if I couldn't rein Nora in, if she got loose, I wouldn't see her again for a long time. It'd probably be very difficult to have got her back. So I just hung on and hung on, dug my heels and tried to get her to stop. And eventually I did. I coiled up the leash until she, I had her on a very short leash, grabbed hold of her collar, stopped, and she was just bouncing all over the place, getting on her hind legs. She was very, very excited. Anyway, we turned the corner. I had a little bit more running I wanted to do. Went in the opposite direction of the kangaroo. I finished off my run with one lap of the football fields, which is another half a K. And I tell you, Nora sprinted the whole way. She was still revved up. When we finished running and we were heading home, we had to walk through the area that the kangaroo had disappeared. And, oh, of course, Nora wouldn't walk properly. She just pulled and pulled and pulled, and she weighs about 25 kilos. By the time I got home, I felt like I'd had a full body strength workout. Every bit of me was aching. All my muscles were tired. So not only did I do a nice long run that day, I got a workout as well. All I wanted to do when I got inside, though, was sit down. I was exhausted. And I hope we never see another kangaroo while we're running. Well, I'm coming to the end of another episode, episode 55. I think that's a nice round number to end the year on. It feels right. Now I'm going to take a break from podcasting over Christmas, and I hope to come back in the new year with some fresh enthusiasm, some fresh ideas. I did suggest that people stop by my blog, leave me a comment if there were any topics people want me to talk about, and nobody did that, so... I wonder if people wish I would stop talking. Perhaps I've said everything. I sometimes wonder that myself. Perhaps I'm going to end up talking to myself. Oh my, I've got another story. The Nora story wasn't the last one. 
This is a little story. Talking to myself just reminds me of something Sophie said the other day. We were talking about how people properly think we're very strange. We're a very strange unschooling family, different from everybody else. And Sophie said, Mom, people would think you were even stranger if they knew that every week you spend an hour in your bedroom talking to yourself. That does sound strange, doesn't it? It felt strange when I first started podcasting. I didn't really know whether I could sit talking to myself for an hour at a time. I didn't feel comfortable at all, but I think I've got used to it now. I just imagine all the people out there, all my friends who listen, and for some reason I can just chat away now. It's not a problem at all. So people might think that I'm strange talking to myself, but what I find strange is the thought that my voice travels all around the world and it ends up in other countries. I'm not there in that other country, but my voice is. That's really quite a fascinating thought. So if you haven't subscribed to my podcast, you can do that through iTunes. You could follow it through Podbean, or you could just follow along with my blog, Stories of an Unschooling Family. You probably know I embed the episodes there every week. If you subscribe, then you'll know when I'm returning, because I'm not exactly sure when I'll make the next episode, but it'll turn up in the feed. So what can I suggest we all do before my next podcast episode? Well, I would like to invite you to share my videos of Imogen, her Christmas concert, and also her interview about following her dreams. Perhaps we can all look at our children and see how amazing they really are. And if we're having trouble seeing how amazing our children are, or particular children, perhaps it's us. Do we have our own ideas about what our kids should be like? Are we not looking at them in the right way? I've had to practice a bit of that myself. Now let's take great delight in the achievements of all our children, whether they belong to our families or not. Let's encourage each other along. And perhaps we should buy a diary or a planner, get organized. That's just another thought. How many things are on each of our to-do list that we could achieve, finish, fulfill some goals? I should also invite you to go through my archive. If there's a particular topic that you would like some information about, or perhaps just catch up on some past episodes that maybe you haven't already listened to. So I guess it's time to wish everybody a happy Christmas. I hope that you have a wonderful celebration with your family, that you are greatly blessed, that there is a lot of joy in the season for you. I would like to thank you for supporting my podcasts, especially for those people, those friends who have listened to every single episode and who also come along to my blog and leave a comment. I'd just like to extend that welcome to anybody. If you'd like to visit my blog and stop by and say hello, please do. So until the next episode, which will be in the new year, trust, respect, and love unconditionally. 